another day, another dollar makes you wonder where your money went. You can scream and you can holler. Good morning, folks. This is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of a changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough. Or even if they don't dictate it, it's almost always from my personal mobile studio, which is my 2006 Jetta Diesel TDI. It is a rainy, nasty, slick road, 32 degree morning as I make my way between Arlington and Frisco, Texas. And we'll share another uh, little bit of drive time together as friends that talk about the... uh, the changing world and what it means to us and how we can adapt to it from a modern survivalist philosophy. And uh, as always, my show is One Man's Opinion. And that means you are free to completely disagree with me, to uh, think that I'm completely wrong, uh, or to agree with me and think that I'm completely right. It's up to you. Uh, There are ways to give me your feedback. One is to send me email at jack at thesurvivalpodcast.com. Again, it's jack at thesurvivalpodcast.com. You can go to www.thesurvivalpodcast.com and uh, see show notes on every show that I do, including this one that you're listening to now. If you happen to get it you know, directly from iTunes or something like that, you haven't been to the site yet. Uh, and on the site, there's a link to our forum. And you can go there and you can interact then not just with me, but with hundreds of other listeners to our show and a pretty cool community that has developed around it. Uh, and that community is uh, very much a self-policing committee, uh, community. I have a really great group of about a dozen volunteer moderators that do a real good job of keeping the forum in order and keeping the spam down and keeping everybody civil with each other. And uh, I just like to say this time of year, Christmas time, thank you to those uh, to those guys, every every single one of you, the guys that moderate multiple boards and uh, take care of clearing out the spam uh, members. And uh, those of you that just moderate one board or two, really appreciate you. Thank you uh, very much for all the efforts you've done to help make our forum a success. So those are the ways you can interact with myself or other members of uh, the audience. And uh, it's not a call-in show, so we can't do that, not just yet anyway. And it is, uh, again, it is dictated during my drive to work. So sometimes I see people post in forums and say, sounds like that dude's in a car. That's because that dude's in a car. Uh, So I am actually able to do this show from a car. And uh, if you want to check out a guy with some pretty cool libertarian ideals, check out Chris Future. Just go to uh, Google and Google Chris Future, and you'll find his site. And he does a podcast almost every day as well that he does from his car, and he's a libertarian. His is all politics, but if you have a libertarian viewpoint, you probably would enjoy listening to him rant once in a while. And uh, So let's get on with today's show, the subject of today's show. Today's show is actually going to be a show that you would expect me to do maybe on New Year's Day. It's going to be about setting goals for 2009 and the different types of goals that we can set as modern survivals and how to draw ourselves roadmaps to make sure they get done. All right, that's that's kind of the best way I can put it. A lot of times you'll hear me say on the show, hey, I just give you the information. You do whatever you want to with it. Um, today I'm going to alter that message just a little bit and say I'm going to give you information. You do what you want to with it, but do something with it. Write a plan to get that something done and hold yourself accountable to your own plan. And I think that's something that gets lost on a lot of survivalists, and it's why they kind of run around like chickens without a head. 
And you work on this a little bit, and you work on that a little bit, and you work on this a little bit, and you never really get any of the individual things done. Right? You go do reload some ammo, stock up some ammo, go buy some food, pay a little bit of extra debt on a credit card this month, look for a getaway, place to, to, to a place to buy. Don't really have the money, even though you're looking, I'm not serious about looking, you're not documenting what you're finding. Uh, you get bored with it because you realize you're not ready to buy yet. You lost all that time. All these different things happen. So what I'm going to try to do today is help you figure out how to write a plan for 2009. And I, I do mean write a plan. Go out and get yourself one of those little 30-cent notebooks at the drugstore and write a plan to get complete with start dates and projected end dates. And then do a little bit of math. And let's just take one goal, for instance. One of the most common goals that I hear from people making the standard New Year's resolution, well, there's two. There's two that everybody makes. Going to make more money and or pay off debt. So there's that one. It has to do with money. Or And the other one is, come on, folks, lose weight. Right, I'm going to lose weight. So let's just take the most popular one, which is I'm going to lose weight. Now let's say you're a person that's 30 pounds overweight, and you need to lose 30 pounds. And you want to lose that 30 pounds by summertime, by June 1st. All right? That's six months. It's five pounds a month. If you get to February 1st and you ain't lost five pounds, you're not on track. And whatever you're doing is not sufficient. Now, of course, with any goal, be it weight loss or monetary or you know stocking food or uh, you know reloading a certain amount of ammunition or getting a certain amount of range time in or whatever it is as a modern survivalist, you then have to step back and go, well, is this realistic? All right, let's look at the weight loss one again. Let's say you're 80 pounds overweight and you want to lose all your weight by June 1st. Is that realistic? Probably not. Is it healthy? Definitely not. If you do succeed and lose weight that fast, will it leave your body with scars, both internally and externally? Yes. Okay. Are you highly likely to end up putting every ounce of that weight back on and more over the next year after that? And by June 1st of the following year, being 90 or 100 pounds overweight? Yes. So it's not realistic, and it's not productive, and it's a bad goal. All right. And you have to evaluate anything like that. Let's say that you're going to say that you're going to get to the range once a week for the next three months, for the first quarter of the year, January through March. You're going to go to the range every week. Do you have the money for the ammunition? Do you really have the time to do it? Would a better goal to be get there twice a month? Alright? And you, again, I'm not saying that one is right and the other is wrong. I'm just saying that you have a certain amount of financial resources. You have a certain amount of hours in a day. You have a certain amount of obligations. You have a certain amount of other goals and objectives that you're trying to set and achieve. And you have to put this stuff down and look at it, and your goal should be between now and the new year to come up with a huge, huge list of objectives for 2009. So big, and then to do such a good job of planning it out that some of them get put off till 2010. And you might think, well, that doesn't sound very productive. But it's actually extremely productive. Because it's going to be very easy for you to set goals for yourself that if you put them all together, you can't do them all. 
So the question then becomes, well, then why don't I just set two or three goals that I know I have enough time to get done in the year and not worry about setting 20 goals and cutting five or six or eight of them out? Oh, because it doesn't work. Because those two most popular goals, weight loss and getting out of debt or making more money, because I see those two as kind of the, it's usually having debt that makes somebody want more money, right? That either one of those goals is it has a failure rate up in the 90 percentile of people that set them without planning. And here's the deal about planning. When you start to plan, you really have to start thinking about how important is this to me, my lifestyle, and my future. If I can only do one of these things in the first month, which one is more important to me? Immediately? and long term. Which one do I have a higher probability of getting accomplished in January? Including things that are based on the time of year, the temperature, what kind of stress you're going to be under at work, if you're getting laid off, it gives you more time. If you're working overtime, it gives you more money. You have to start evaluating all of these different things. So now let's all run through some of the goals that like I've set for myself and give you an idea of what I mean by any goal can go into these these, these planning platforms. Uh, we have a goal to save an additional twelve thousand dollars in two thousand and nine. All right, come out the end of two thousand nine, and that's not retirement, that's not tax deferred, that's straight cash in the bank. We want to have an extra twelve thousand dollars by the end of two thousand nine. So if we do put off our move to Arkansas until the spring of 2010. We are very cash heavy when we move up there. We can do the improvements that we want, and we won't be strapped to sell this house. If we have to hold it for two or three extra months during a transition, we can afford to do it. Alright? So, that goal's really simple to timeline. I have to save $1,000 a month. I don't have any other way to get this done other than to save $1,000 a month in 2009. No other way whatsoever. So the wife and I have to budget. We have to look at what we can cut. We have to say, well, this is how much we're saving now. This is how much we're going to need to to save it additionally. Where is that money going? How do we curtail it? Is it a reasonable number? We've decided it's a reasonable number. It'll take some sacrifice, but it's worth it. We also want to have the car paid off. All we have to do to have the car paid off in 2009 is make the payments on the car. Because we've been making extra payments. We're at a point now where all we got to do is pay on it. And we have a you know, car that we bought uh, in 2006 that will be paid off in about three years instead of five. All right, so those are reasonable goals. So we know that when Volkswagen Financing sends us a bill and they're angry with us because we've overpaid the bill, and they send us a bill for zero dollars and say, you don't have to pay if we don't keep making the payment that we've already allocated, that we've already been making, that we fall off the wagon. So those are two very, very easy ones. The next goal I have for myself is, is right now I have four raised beds. I want this spring when I'm planning to have... Um, six raised beds to work with. Well, that means that I have between now and March to build two more raised beds. That means I have to build one raised bed every six weeks. It is that simple. Now, I actually think January is a good time to do that, so I'm going to build both of them in January. 
it's going to be cold out. I'm not going to be digging, so I don't care if the ground is frozen. The ground doesn't really freeze here much anyway. If it does, the top freezes. So if I had to dig, you know, no problem. I'm actually going to take a garden fork and break the ground up, but I'm not really going to dig it and turn it over. I'm going to layer compost and uh, organic matter on top of that. And uh, so though that goal of having the eight beds to work with will be completed by January 31st. All right? I know how much it's going to cost me in materials. I've allocated the cost of materials. This is the type of planning that you have to do if you want to succeed. And I've had people, when I've talked to them about stuff like this before, say, well, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not that kind of person that organizes everything. Hey, I'll tell you what. Come to my house. Look inside my home office. You know, I have a, my own little office. I don't even spend that much time in there anymore now that I do so much commuting to my, you know, my actual office, uh, my, my main office. And uh, even without being in there, the place is a mess. It's a wreck. It's not organized. But I take my goals and my timelines and I put them in an Excel spreadsheet. Right? And if you don't have Excel, go to Docs. Dot .google.com docs.google.com they have a version of word and a version of excel it's not what it really is but it's what it really is okay so it's not excel and word but it's an open application like excel and like word you can actually open word documents and excel documents with the program you can save them online it's completely secure and you can access your documents from anywhere in the world so as long as you have an internet connection and if you're listening to me you probably have an internet connection you have no excuse to saying, well, I don't have that resource available. You know, learn a little bit about spreadsheets. Learn how to build a timeline, right? It's not that difficult. If you want have some questions about how to do some formulas or something in Excel, you've not ever done it before, go on YouTube. Type your question into YouTube. There's probably screen capture video on YouTube that shows you how to use any software program out there. I've learned to use Photoshop. I've learned to use Dreamweaver. Uh, I've learned to use PaintShop Pro. Uh, I've learned to use screen capture video programs to do screen capture video programs. All right? Uh, all on YouTube, all for free. You can find a tremendous amount of information there. So let's think of what are some other goals that you may have? And, and maybe some of these will give you some ideas and you'll adopt some and make them your own and change the numbers or what have you. I want to get us an additional two months of stored food by the end of 2009. And that will put us up into the eight-month range of how long we could go if we didn't have any any incoming food or money or whatsoever. We just had to survive on what we have. And to me, eight months is a pretty damn good place to be. And I'd like to eventually be to a year. But if I'm going to do all the saving and pay off the last little bit of debt we have in 09, then I can't get to a year from six months and do those other things. So I compromised it too. All right, that's eight weeks additional food supply is what it really comes down to. So our simple goal, and the way we simplified this, is we said we ain't going to worry about it in January. All right, because we already got six months. We're good. And we're going to be doing a lot of traveling in January, and it's just not a convenient month to do it. I'm going to be building beds in the backyard and all, so that's enough activity. So we're going to go February uh, to September, which is eight months, and we will stock up one extra week of food every month Okay, for those eight months. And we'll do it by we go to the grocery store about once every other two weeks. So each trip to the grocery store will buy an extra uh, two and a half days roughly of meals. And we'll just put it aside. And we'll keep rotating it through our pantry just like we've always done. And 
And it's very easy at the end of February to go, we didn't get a week ahead. We are behind. We need to compensate for this. We need to make up for this. And you check yourself all the way through. All right. So, you know, we've covered quite a few different things, but maybe your next goal is this year in my garden, I'm going to produce 25, 50, 5, 10, 90. You get my point. You pick the number. Percent of my vegetarian diet uh, for the summertime, anyway. Well, then you need to figure out, well, how much food do I need? And how much production can I expect out of certain plants and different types of food? What kind of food do I want? What stores well? What doesn't? What will I have to eat fresh? What what, what will I succession plant? If you're going to start your own seeds, you're going to start tomatoes and peppers and things like that. When can you put the plants out? I I just talked about this in a show on gardening, planting your garden now for the spring. And then you have to figure out, okay, well, what days do I need to put seeds in the little pots? Right? And how many on that day? And do I want to do some succession planting? So does that mean that I start my tomato plants, you know, I start four tomato plants, and then like four weeks later I start four more? So I have two different types of tomatoes in two different uh, harvest seasons, right? Same thing with peppers. Same thing with lettuce. Do I have soil and temperature conditions where lettuce will germinate well in the ground, or do I need to start my seeds and transplant them, right? What's the earliest I can put something in the ground, and what is it that can go in early? What is it that goes in a little bit later? And you come up with a timeline for all of this stuff to grow in the ground, and you write it down. And uh, one of our listeners, Stein, uh, as he calls himself on the forum and on the blog when he posts, made up a really cool um, spreadsheet for planting your gardens. And it's available for download, and uh, I'll put a link to it in today's show notes. And you can use his spreadsheet and modify it as you see fit uh, for your area and for what time that stuff has to go in the ground. And there's quite a little bit of sophisticated math built into it. He did a cool job with it. And that's the type of initiative that I'm talking about. And a, a tool like this is now usable to determine, am I on track, right? Did my did it did it work? And and you know when your seed's starting, let me give you one little piece of advice. If you want six tomato plants, start ten. And if all ten make it, and they probably won't, but if all ten make it, give away four. Alright? Or even if, you know, throw in a flower pot somewhere and let it just go and see what happens or what have you. Uh, you know, or, or toss it. If you, if you can't give it away, which I'm going to be surprised if you can't find someone that wants a few plants for free, toss it. But if you plant exactly, you start seeing the exact numbers of plants you want, you're going to have failures, and you're going to have holes. And you're going to have to backfill with something. So always plant 20 to 30% more seed starting uh, than you actually want plants. It will go a long way toward getting your goal accomplished for the year. Here's another goal that we have for 2009. We were going to get uh, Dorothy through her CHL uh, in 2008. It just never happened with everything that was going on. So that is now a hard goal for 2009. Uh, We've set a date that we're going to have her in class and a date to get the paperwork filed. So we have a deadline, and now it has to be met. Um, that's, That's a pretty easy goal, but it really is about getting to a point where you say, well, here's going to be the best time in the next three months to get this done. All right? 
to get this done, you need paperwork filed. So let's go ahead and get that paperwork, pay the little fee, get that stuff submitted to the state, set the class date, and let's get on with life, right? And you have to start looking at every preparation you're making that way. If you're going to do something, when are you going to do it? How long is it going to take to complete it? And how are you going to judge success or failure? And I know like, I might sound a little bit redundant today, but it's because the message is that important. And if these countless people that said, well, I'm going to lose 20 pounds this coming year, did this, a hell of a lot more than 10% would be successful. And right now, 10% are it's probably a high uh, optimistic number of people that get it done. All right? You know, because they don't have a plan. And, and, you know, I mean, you look at it this way. When you have someone that's hurt, hurt bad, and you have to drive them to a hospital, you always get to the hospital. If somebody's in the way, you go around them. If traffic's bad, you deal with it. If you have to drive across the median because they're bleeding out, you do it. Whatever needs to be done, when that sick person, that injured person needs medical treatment, you get it done. If somebody has to sit next to you and compress the wound so they don't bleed to death while you drive, you find somebody and you get it done. And it's because you have a singular goal in mind. I must get this individual from where they are to where people can give them the help that we are not capable of doing. All right? And it's a very clear-cut goal. And if you take your survival goals, if you take your lifestyle planning goals, if you take your debt goals, and you apply the same logic to them, they always get done. They always get met. And this isn't this etherical, airy-fairy bullshit, you know, of, uh, you know, this, this positive thinking, everything will be wonderful if I just believe it crap, right? Because there's countless people that have great huge journals of all these positive reinforced thoughts. And generally speaking, that's done something positive for their life, but many of them have accomplished freaking nothing. Absolutely freaking nothing that's in there as an action item. And the reason is because they're so worried about the positive thought process, they don't look at the practical application process and the personal judgment process. All right? And again, what are your individual goals? What goals do you have for yourself? I want more range time. I get to the gun range right now about once every two months. I don't really have a financial handicap from the little bit of money it costs to go, you know, blow through 100 rounds of 9mm or 22 or something like that. Um, the range is pretty inexpensive that I go to to shoot at. I like to do it. The only reason I don't go is I don't set dates for myself and say, I'm going to go on the second Saturday of every month, for instance. And then say, okay, it's the second Saturday of the month. The range opens at 8 o'clock. The wife wants me to do this, that, and the other thing today, and I need to do this, that, and the other thing. So I'm going to get there when it opens. I'll be home by 9.30. So I'm going to get my ass out of bed as early as I do during the week, piddle around, read the paper, drink my coffee, do a little bit of work, and get out the door at 7.30 and be at the range at 8 o'clock when it opens. If it's cold, I'm going anyway. doesn't matter. I might be in a situation where I need to use my gun. It could be cold. It could be hot. I don't know what it's going to be. So I have to set that time and make it available to myself. And for me personally, it's not about making myself more tactically um, 
prepared. I feel pretty tactically prepared with the training that I've had in the past and the amount of shooting that I've done in the past. And as a, as a kid growing up, I shot every day, oh, God, I guess for about six years. And I mean every day. I, there was almost not a day that went by that I didn't go out and at least blow through 25 or 50 rounds of 22s. So I have plenty of practical experience. But for me, when I go to the range, it recenters myself. It makes me... You know, it reduces my stress level. It's good for me from a mental programming point. It helps me center. It helps me focus. It is something that I enjoy so much and requires such specific concentration uh, that, it, that it's just good for my overall mental state. So I have to make time for that. Reducing your stress load should be a big part of what you're doing. Uh, you know, other things that, like, if some people might look at reloading ammunition as being work. It's tedious. It's exacting. You have to be careful. You have to follow procedures. And, you know, I just told you earlier, I'm not a procedural person. But actually, when I'm in a situation where I go, you know what, if I don't do this right, I could blow my brains out. Right? I could double charge this round, cram a bullet in it, and explode the breach in my face. Can't afford to not follow procedures. So in a situation where I have to, and I just accept it, and I just do it, it's actually good, again, from a mental, emotional, positive mind state. So that's another thing that you need to look at, is how can you take your goals and adjust them to your lifestyle in a way that some of the things that you're accomplishing don't just give you a feeling of accomplishment, but actually the act of doing them is positive for you. And it's part of why I'm so big on gardening. I've never met anybody, no matter how absolutely resistant that they are to taking up a garden trowel, digging in the dirt, planting plants, and growing a garden, that if they actually give it a chance, if they actually go out and they put their hands into the earth, and they put plants into the ground, and they have some level of success uh, with what they're doing, I've not met one person that's actually done that and not felt really good about it, that's not had a really positive experience by doing it, that hasn't actually said, you know what, I get it now. Everybody that I know that's ever really tried it, and I don't mean the person that's come out and stuck the spade in the ground once or twice, sweated and went, this is too much work. I'm talking about people that saw through one season and, uh, you know, sat down at a meal with their family with a bowl full of salad, most of which came from the backyard. Anybody that's done that, it's changed the way they feel, the way they think, the way they act. And that's what a lot of this modern survivalist stuff is, folks. You know me, I'm into the tactical stuff to a degree. You know, I, I, I'm all for having weapons, going to the range, knowing how to use your weapon, knowing how to deploy your weapon, getting additional training on your weapons. I'm all for the beans, bullets, and band-aids philosophy, having food stored up, being prepared, having some of your assets in, in cash, having some of your assets in metals like silver or gold. All this stuff that's typical to the survival community. I've done shows on it. I've talked about it. It's important. But what's equally important is taking care of your mind, body, and spirit. And that needs to be part of your planning for next year. And this isn't everybody sitting together singing Kumbaya like a bunch of hippies contemplating our navels. Alright? But we can learn some things from hippies. Hippies are pretty good at building solar systems. Alright? We'll talk about solar here in just a second because I think that's a good goal to set uh, for 2009 for a lot of people uh, depending on your living conditions. 
But what what I'm really talking here about is having a feeling, a sense, that no matter what happens, no matter how bad it gets, I'm going to take care of me and mine. All right, as we say in the South, I'll take care of my family. I am indeed my brother's keeper. You know, I'm not going to play that shirk. It's not my responsibility. I'm going to take care of those that I care about. I'm going to be the guiding light, if that's what it takes, for those around me. And those around me in my family that laugh at me because I take this shit seriously, if everything comes to a head and pops, I know that they're going to come to my door, and I'm not going to turn them away. I might not let them live there, right? I might not take them in completely, but I'll be able to help them. I'll have enough extra to be able to do something for them, to be able to make a difference. And I'll be because if, if I can if I can get to a point where I know that's true, then I know that I myself and my immediate family we're going to make it. We're going to be okay. We're going to be all right. I read an article in Backwoods Home yesterday. It was called. Um, the Great Depression of Remembrance. It was written by a lady over there who was eight years old when the Great Depression started. And she told the whole story of what she remembers about the Great Depression. And you know what she didn't say? She didn't say, oh, it was so awful. It was so tough. I felt like we were never going to get through it. And I hope that never happens again. That's not the message that I got. I did get it that it was tough. I did get that it was hard. But I actually, after reading the article, envied the people that went through it. For the growth experience that they had, at least to a degree. It talked about people that went fishing. Because one, it didn't cost much money because it wasn't like today where we get out in our huge boats and our depth finders and our GPSs and all that. They just went down to the fishing hole, right? With a cane pole and some string and a hook. And whatever they caught, they caught and they clubbed it in the head they brought it home and they ate it because it was food that night, right? But it was entertainment and it was providing them what they needed. It was giving them some additional meat so they didn't have to buy it. They had... You know, they canned vegetables, right? And they, they had to can the vegetables when they are at their peak so they didn't spoil. And we look at it today, we go, oh, canning, that's cool, I'm learning to can or whatever, you know. All right, but we're canning with an electric or a gas stove in an air-conditioned house or, or apartment. And they canned with a wood stove. This lady was from Arkansas, so they canned with a wood stove. My grandmother canned with a coal-fired stove. In the summertime, when it was in the 90s, can you imagine the effort, the work, the sweat, the perspiration of these people who spent four or six hours, they would get up as early as possible so it would be as cool as possible, with a a wood-fired stove inside a house when it's that hot out. But it had to be done. And things that people bragged about, they didn't brag because they had the latest new iPod or the latest video game. People bragged about, according to this lady, well, you know, we've got 87 cans of uh, green beans in our, you know, cellar. And we have uh, 47 jars of peaches. And we have, uh, you know, 80 jars of jelly or what have you. That's what, That was what bragging rights were about. How much food did you have stored back in your root cellar or your, or your lotter? 
more people went to church. I'm not a big church guy, but I get the community aspect of it. I really get the community aspect of it. More people got together and just did things. You know, they would get you get neighborhoods together. What was cheap? What could you buy that was meat? It would give some protein that everybody could afford. You know, if everybody went in, we could buy enough for everybody. Hot dogs. Build a little fire in your backyard, cook hot dogs. You know, what kid doesn't remember doing that? You know, what, what adult doesn't look back to a childhood and remember, well, one time you did that, how cool it was. People did it all the time. Not because it was fun, because it was necessary. But yet they found joy in doing it. That's what I'm asking you to do. When I give you this weird assignment of being methodical, being your own judge, being harsh on yourself, figure out your goals, plan them, dissect them, but at the same time, find the joy in doing them. If you do that, you will be over with your level of success. When things are a joy, people naturally do them. When it's time to get something done, and you like to do it, you go, I get to do this now. Right? Think back when you were a kid. Right? I think recess is by and large gone away today. Kids don't seem to have recess anymore. When I was a kid in school, we had recess. Right? Recess just meant you went the hell outside to the playground, maybe they dropped some basketballs on you, they drop some volleyballs, throw some hula hoops, jacks, jump ropes, there was swings, you know, there was a playground, a lot of the kids we just played tag, right, we didn't even use any any of the stuff they had out there, but everybody knew, okay, you grab the balls, you grab the bag of this, you do that, you do this, and we all got a line, and we, oh, I mean, practically we marched, I mean, when you really think about it, because everybody was in a line. Right? There was almost a mill. and I don't know if they even do that in our schools anymore with kids. But we'd all get in a line and we'd go out and then they'd say, You got recess for the next 30 or 40 minutes. And we just went ape and we were just kids. So, what did that do for you? You would sit there and you would go, Yeah, it's, uh, it's almost it's almost one thirty. That's what recess is today, is one thirty. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one fifteen. Fifteen more minutes and we got recess. And then. 1.30 would come along, and, and nobody got angry that, oh, we have to get a line, right? Nobody got upset about that. People just did it. They got in the freaking line, right? Nobody said, I don't want to be the one to carry the balls today. The guy that had to carry the balls or had to go get the athletic equipment or whatever it was just ran, grabbed it, got in line, right? Why? Because we looked forward to it. There was a joy in the simple act of going outside and being set free for 30 or 40 minutes in the middle of the day. Right? And it was a very positive thing. And yes, some of the kids got into fights. Yes, some of the kids shoved each other. Yes, some of the kids teased each other. Right? But taking away recess from our kids hasn't fixed that. They still do those things. Right? And it was, it was a good experience because you learned how to deal with social situations. The kind of the gloves were off, so to speak. Not from a fighting context, but from, you know, the teacher kind of sat back and as long as no one's getting hurt, just kind of let it go. You know, if there's a fight, you break it up, you send the two kids to the principal and everybody go on your way and keep going. If you can get that spirit into your heart with the things that you're going to be doing this year, right, if you go, okay, I just got paid, so now I get to save $200 this week. I get to put it in my savings account. I get to look at the number go up, right? 
Now I get to go out to the... It's Saturday morning. It's time for me to go outside and add some compost to the one bed. I get to go do that. If you get your mental state that way, you'll be blown away with what you can accomplish. And that's my hope for everybody going into 2009. That you can find the goals that are really important to you. That you can sit down and look at all the things you would like to do in the next year. Figure out the ones that are reasonable for you to get done. Find a way to do them enthusiastically. To be tough on yourself, to be regimental on yourself, to hold yourself accountable, but to have joy in the doing, in the action. And that by the end of 2009, when we're doing this show again next year, and we're talking about goals for 2010, for you to be able to look back and go, yeah, it works. And when somebody posts on the forum or something, you know, hey, all this uh, this uh, this outlook on on getting goals accomplished, how how effective is it? And have you know a couple dozen people be able to say, well, I did it last year, and this is what I set my goals for, and I got them all done. Plus, along the year with this new outlook, with this new attitude, I also added this, 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 and this, and I got all of that shit done too. And now I'm setting even bigger goals. And I have momentum behind me now. And I'm positive and I know that I can accomplish whatever the hell I put my mind to. But for the first time, now I know that what I put my mind to is important and that things that I thought were important in the past really aren't. That's what this is really all about. If you do this exercise, if you commit to it, I promise you, over the next year, a lot of things that you are convinced right now are very important to you will become absolutely meaningless. And that false thing that you're trying to fill a hole with that creates the freaking debt in the first place, or creates the big belly in the first place, or creates the misery in the first place, or creates the dead-end job in the first place, okay? or creates the never enough in the first place, will be replaced with something else. I can't tell you what it will be. Because it will be whatever is right for you. Because again, this is your plan, this is your goal, and this is your life. I hope you have an outstanding 2009. Please tune in tomorrow for a special show about Christmas and what its history in America is and how it provide, or applies to modern survivalism. Tomorrow's show will be family friendly 100%. So if you want to have kiddos listening tomorrow, it'll be safe. It'll be okay. I will refrain from any adult language tomorrow because I want to do something special for Christmas. After that, folks, again, I'm off on vacation. I will not be back until the month Monday of the week following the first week of January. I think it's the 5th uh, that my show will be back on the air. During that time, take up the exercises that I gave you today. Get your plan written. Get it started. And start looking for the joy in it. If you find the joy in your plan, you will succeed in every goal that you set for yourself. This has been Jack Spirko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live a better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. You can scream, and you can holler, it really doesn't matter, cause it all gets spent.